Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. And today we're going to talk about leadership. Leadership in the sense that when you are a leader, you have to determine what is best for your community, for your group, for your team, for everybody involved. One of the ironies behind this is, is a lot of leadership is being forced to accept the DIE proposal, right? The DEI, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, or as I like to refer to it, uh, <laughs> diversion, exclusion, and inversion, right? So when you're put in a position where you have to do this, what are your options? Well, I mean, you can pay lip service, you can go along to get along, and eventually they're going to get you. And when I say they, I just mean the operation, the people that are pushing this, the um, operatives that think this is the best thing ever. And their goals, depending on who you're listening to or who you want to believe, vary. They're not all the same. They, they want different things, but at the end, it's all about control. The, the, the outcome that we're all going to see is more control. Now, I think what's interesting here is um, I'm going to reference a book I've been reading, which is the case for uh, classical education, um, written by uh, Doug Wilson. And I know he's got a ton of quotes in here. So I am not entirely sure where this, some of these quotes are coming from because it doesn't necessarily label it that way unless I want to go in the footnotes. But the quotes that I am going to use are from that book. And I will just say, quoting Doug, so you will know. Okay, so one of the things that he uh, has mentioned is in chapter 8. Um, the French Revolution wanted to declare liberty, equality, and fraternity to be in close harmony. In actual fact, when liberty is granted, the first thing to disappear is the equality of station. And if equality is mandated, then it will be at the cost of liberty. Now, for those of you who are actually fans of the French Revolution, that you thought they were trying to do good things there, this has to be a wake-up call for you, right? I mean, if you ignore everything else, clearly the conflict in logic, the conflict in outcomes, desired or otherwise, has to be enough to let you know that this was doomed to failure. So, why, why do we keep pushing this? You know, what's the motivation? Do we really think we're going to fix anything? I mean, it can be... It can be anything as quote-unquote benign as applauding people for showing up that don't look like the majority of the people there and thanking them because they make it better. Not quite sure how that works. To me, that seems to be an absolute uh, loss within the logical realm of things. And I've often argued the idea, and this is nothing unique, right? This isn't probably the most uh, common uh, cited proponent of this was none other than the late, great Rush Limbaugh, right? The idea that 
You want a diversity of opinion, a diversity of thought, not necessarily a diversity of how they look or where they come from, especially when they have the same thoughts and the same ideas. That's not a real diversity. That That's the outward appearance. The inward is the same. So let me ask you, and before we go any further, I really want to be careful how I do this episode because I have no doubt there are some things that will be said or used as an example that might be considered inflammatory. And that is not necessarily what my goal is or what the outcome desired of this is. It's supposed to be more of a thought process, right? Put put your preconceived notions aside, right? Set it aside and just follow along and see if this makes sense to you, the listener. Okay? So, When you call for diversity, my first question is, well, why is diversity better? What is intrinsically better about diversity? Now, keep in mind, the diversity they're speaking of is diversity of background, diversity of color, sexual orientation, or religion, perhaps. But more often than not, it's very surface level things. They don't really want a diversity of opinion, a diversity of thought, a diversity of um, understanding of things. They want everybody to be aligned on how they think, how they feel, and how they act, and just look different, have a different appearance so they can claim there's a diversity. So that's what their goal is. But again, I ask you, what is intrinsically better about diversity? Just because I've got somebody that doesn't look like me or doesn't sound like me What about that makes it better? What is the outcome that you're seeking that automatically is better because somebody doesn't look like me or doesn't sound like me? I would suggest to you that perhaps um, undermining white males, white Christian heterosexual males is really the ultimate goal. It's, It's not really about making anything better, right? the heteronormative patriarchy, whatever. I mean, people must stay awake at night fearful of what people like me think or do. And to me, that's just, it's sad. Because really for the last 50 years, which since I've been born, I don't really see any systematic action on behalf of government to oppress anybody That isn't white, male, heterosexual, Christian. Now, maybe there were some hangarons in the deep South, right? In the, in the 70s, or even maybe even as late as the early 80s, where, where they just didn't want certain people in their town at night. I'll grant you that probably existed, but certainly at the federal level, it's been the opposite. Clearly since the time that Reagan was in office, right? I mean, even he promised that he would appoint a woman to the Supreme Court. Why? What made that intrinsically better because she was female versus male? Now, I have nothing against Sandra Day O'Connor. I don't never met the lady, don't know much about her other than she was a, the first female Supreme Court justice. And of course, in today's day and age, I don't even know if I can correctly identify her as a female because she's not here to speak for herself if that's how she wants to identify. Talk about the crazy world we live in. In fact, we have a new Supreme Court Justice, who is a 
black female, by my own visionary deduction, who can't define what a woman is. So I would ask you, how is that better? And just for the purposes of discussion, let us reflect on the latest episode where police brutality resulted in the death of somebody. So five black cops beat the snot out of a black guy that was running from an alleged crime. Now, I know that there is a certain amount of righteous anger there. I know there's a certain amount of angst on the part of other people. The idea that this was based on race is still something being floated around. Not quite sure how that works, but I'm sure somebody will be able to tell me. But let me ask you, if we believe that by putting different people into those positions of power was going to give a different outcome. Doesn't this one incident call into question the thought process behind that? And then apparently these five guys that were hired, they did away with the normal procedures in order to hire them. One would only guess at that point that had more to do with who their parents were, what they looked like, than their skill set or their qualifications. I mean, that's implied, not a given. I I actually hope I'm wrong, but why else would you deviate from the normal process of hiring people to be police officers? I mean, we all understand that being a police officer is a very tough job, right? You don't know what you're going to be dealing with on a day-by-day basis. They are exposed to trauma on a daily basis. That does affect their outcome. Much like the people that we send overseas to go kill on our behalf, also known as the military, they get PTSD. They get various uh, long-term ailments based upon the repeated exposure to trauma. So let me ask you, if you're going on a regular daily basis and being exposed to trauma, whether it's directly your fault um, or not, what do you what do you what do you think the outcome is going to be on that? You know, we already suffer from the us versus them mentality with anybody in a uniform. Do you think that it's going to get worse or better? Now, I for one am concerned. Because even on television, for as whacked out as that is and as left of center problem as it can be, acknowledges that doctors and nurses have been suffering from exposed, repeated trauma, particularly during the pandemic, and it's having negative effects on them. So even the TV will acknowledge that about doctors and nurses. But I'm curious, are they going to admit the same about the police, law enforcement? Or while you're at it, the firefighters, right? The These guys, these ladies, they see this stuff time and time again, and it builds up. It has a negative effect. I don't know what the proper solution is. I don't know what's going to fix it. Maybe they need to have an early retirement. Maybe you have X amount of, um, let's call it bad days, and you're put on a, a timeout. 
maybe you're, you're given six months sabbatical to go get your head right. I mean, I would assume there are plenty of people that were really good people that served in law enforcement or as nurses or as firefighters or as doctors, and they, they get beat up by this onslaught and the, their head gets messed up and they just don't function like they used to. And worse yet, maybe they continue to force their way through it and they have lots of problems and that stuff translates to things they're doing at home or, or things that they're doing on their time off. Or perhaps, worse yet, it shows up when they're at work. Now, I, I don't I don't have the solution, but I'm willing to ask the questions. I'm willing to put forth the idea that all is not well and we should quit pretending that it is and we have to look at opportunities. Now, I don't believe government's going to fix this, but I think it's a fair question. So, going back to the original supposition, right? Just because somebody looks different and they meet the mm, tagline of being diverse, does that mean you're going to have a better outcome? So if we, if we translate that into the outcome we saw in Memphis, right? I wonder. Nobody wants to talk about it, but the reality is a, a good number of people that subscribe to the idea of being a gender different than their biological sex have mental issues. Do you really want those people serving in the armed forces or in the police or fire or even doctors or nurses? They have mental illness. We we might want to not call that now because we wouldn't want to upset them or, or be mean or whatever you want to call it. But to ignore it and to pretend that it's not there is not doing anybody any favors. But we're going to do this in the name of diversity. We're going to do this because we don't want to upset or offend somebody. But if they're going to be exposed to repeated trauma as part of the nature of their job, and they're already suffering from a form of mental illness, how is that better for them? How are we doing them a service? I mean, I'm just asking the question. Okay, from there, we're going to pivot on to the idea of equity, right? So equity, that, that means that you have an equal buy-in or you you, you get a, a say in the matter, right? You, you've got um, skin in the game. But it has a different definition depending on who you're talking to. It has a different outcome depending on who you're talking to. It's, it's one of these nebulous things because they used to talk about equality and now it's been up to equity. So we've heard for decades about all men are created equal and they should ju- be judged by the character of their personality, their person, rather than what their background is, which sounds great. And there's a lot to be said about that. But now that same thing has gone, the worm has turned, if you will. It's gone the next step, right? We we argued for equality to where you could make an argument that equality you know, under the law had been reached or at least primarily reached as a goal. But now we want equity, which if you look at the way they define equity, the way that it's applied, it's actually reverse. Mm-hmm. What you might call affirmative action, right? Now, 
I've heard the arguments. I'm familiar with the arguments insofar as that uh, if you hold people down or you abuse people for a certain amount of time, you need to give them a little something extra to bring them back up on par. Okay. I, I understand that's the theory. But then you're punishing people who had nothing to do with it. Now, the argument is, well, you benefited from it. You you benefited from the system because your forefathers or your foremothers, you know, made the system up and they abused it. So, therefore, you need to pay the price. Okay. Maybe. You sure? Who makes that determination? Who are you going to trust to be impartial? But I know impartial is no longer... A requirement. Impartial is something that no, we're no longer interested in, right? The whole idea or the concept of equal weights and measures has gone out the door. We don't care about fairness. We don't care about right and wrong. We care about people's feelings and how does it look? And that's just not a way that we're going to benefit society as a whole. So let me give you an example, and I, I'm going to make this one up. But let us just say... For the sake of argument, the company that is still functioning that is named General Electric, GE, right? Let's say it's been around 150 years. Don't know, don't care. This is not the point. Let's say at some point in time, they benefited from, we'll call it slave labor. There's different definitions of that now too, just so you know. But let's say that's true. And let's say that... It has been decided by government that the only way to make things equitable is to take and find the sons, the daughters, the grandsons, and the granddaughters of the people that worked for GE, you know, 150 years ago or 100 years ago, that were forced to contribute under some form of slave labor. And we're going to say one of two things. One, we're going to take money out of the corporate coffers and give it to them. Or two, we're going to give them stock within the company. Something that they'll be forced to get uh, or that the company will be forced to give up in order to ensure equity. Well, I'm going to guess that that's not going to end well for any party involved. I'm going to guess that giving people stock that really don't have stock, don't know what to do with stock, probably not a good idea because they're going to be taken advantage of by somebody else that's going to tell them how to use their stock, what to do with their stock. And I mean, I'm just following their own logic here. I'm not saying I agree or disagree with this. Let's be clear. I'm just saying that if you believe these people, whoever they are, have been taken advantage of and were abused at some point in the past and that their sons and daughters or grandsons and granddaughters have to be made whole by giving them money that they don't know where it came from or what to do with, how is it that they're not going to be taken advantage of? How is it that they're not going to be in a situation that is worse than what they already are? What guarantee do we have that that's actually the outcome that is most desirable? Now, two or three generations removed, it's really hard to prove anything out. And it's kind of a nebulous bar to be reached. And I'm not sure that's going to give the results that you want. I mean, I think about the uh, Twitter post by some goofy celebrity who said they were going to trade in their Tesla 
because they were mad at Elon Musk and called him a Nazi and then went out and bought a Volkswagen. Which, in case you didn't know, was largely started and funded by the Nazi party. Or at least the government under Nazi party control. I mean, <laughs> if you're that ignorant, <laughs> do we really want you running a company? I, I, I mean, I'm just saying. But again, so you force this equity, right? But does it really help in the end? Does it really make a difference? Well, sure, you can give a guy 500 bucks or whatever it is, but if he blows it next week, is he any better off? I don't know. I think it's a fair question. I don't think that there is an appropriate answer. I don't think government's going to have anybody's best interests in mind other than how do we make government bigger, stronger, or in more control, which I think is what it's really all about in the first place. So as we then move on from the, the, uh, I'm sorry, the D and the E, we're now on I, right? So inclusion. Now inclusion, this sounds great. Inclusion, this is the panacea of everything, right? If we'll just include people, they'll feel at home. They'll be a part of it. Everybody will benefit. Okay. Really? I mean, on what basis? Uh, How we determine? Now, if you're forcing this as well, I'm pretty sure that there's not a whole lot of women's groups that want to have some dude pretending to be a woman part of their group. Or worse yet, some dude that actually believes he's a dude that wants to be a part of their group. There was a reason why there were men's clubs back in the day. Now, were certain things going on there that were maybe, let's use the term, problematic? Maybe. Okay, maybe. But there were still men being men with other men. And once the women got in there, they changed the whole dynamic and quite frankly ruined the situation. So is it better or is it worse? Some would say either or, maybe both. But to be fair, they forced it. It wasn't a decision anybody made. Now, if you're aware of that, you just can choose not to take part. I mean, this goes back to the old trope, right? So if a guy, a racist guy owns a diner and he doesn't want to serve somebody that's not a white guy or a white lady, that's his choice. Should we force him? No, but we're going to make sure everybody knows that that's who he is and what he does so that the market will decide the market will punish them for their bad behavior. And, and that used to be the argument that used to be acceptable, but now even the left libertarians are saying, well, no, you ought to be able to force it. You doubt me? Well, yeah, you're supposed to make the Nazi cake. Didn't you know that? So if you're, if you're somebody that's got firmly held religious convictions that not, that is not Muslim because we don't touch Muslims, they're hands off. But if you're a Christian or some variation of that, and you are really uncomfortable with a mm, celebration of somebody quote unquote, changing their gender. If you are a person that thinks that gay marriage is not marriage and it's an abomination before God, it doesn't matter what you think, what you say, what you believe. No government says you must do whatever they ask you for. You no longer have a right to refuse service. Again, you're forcing inclusion. Who's benefiting from that? Well, I mean, you could say maybe that couple that's quote unquote getting married is benefiting, right? But are they? They're, they're, they're abusing somebody else. They're forcing somebody else to do something that, that they don't want to do. How is that better? 
How are they benefiting? Now we can see clearly that the Baker, right? He's losing. And, and the fact that he still exists and is still trying to make a living is a <laughs> kudos to his uh, ingenuity and integrity and quite frankly, his ability to shrug off loss after loss. But let me ask you, does that work in reverse? I will tell you it doesn't. There, there are very few true Christian churches that are excited about certain things that are happening in our society and even few still that want to have that forced upon them, much less in their private life. But that doesn't mean that there's any mm, cost to the person that doesn't get to join that church, right? When you force inclusion, you ruin it for everybody. That's what everybody seems to forget. You know, when I was a little kid, there was a, a neighbor who had a birthday party. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, I wasn't included in the the uh, invitations. I asked him about it and he said, well, my mom wanted to be with the kids I went to school with. Okay, no problem. He was down the street. I didn't know him that well. No harm, no foul. I mean, as a kid, it was a little more important than what it is now, but I get it. Okay, fine. But... Do you think his mother would have been happy if somebody would have showed up and said, you have to include this person into your private party, in your private home, regardless of what you think, you must take them? I don't think so. I really don't. And even if it would have benefited me, the whole time I was there, I would know that they didn't really want me there, that they were forced to have me there. Think about that. I mean, you go back and you look in the 50s, right? And what is it, Arkansas, where they force the all-white school to have a black student there. Do you really think that black student benefited, that they thought it was a great thing to be put in a situation that was probably a slightly better education than they were offered at their other school, perhaps, but they're put in a unfriendly area. And do you think those people that were there really thought it was a good idea? No, no, I wasn't there. That happened before I was born. And what's interesting to me is we're not the same now, right? We've moved past that. We're better, but now we go and force people to do things all the time because they think they got the outcome that they were desiring. But let me ask you, other than that one or two exemplary students that adapted and do did extremely well, do you really think that as a whole it's been a good thing? Do you think that busing brought about the outcome that was desired? Or by what the people that were not involved in the decision were hoping it would desire, right? Now, I was around when they were doing the busing. I went to school when they had the mandated busing. And I never had an issue with it one way or the other because it really didn't affect me. But I always thought it was funny is that we, we'd have buses brought in from the next town over with some students that didn't look like me to come and our, go to our school. And I guess somewhere along the line, there was other people that looked like me that went to those schools 
in the city of Milwaukee to go be with people that didn't look like them or didn't sound like them. Now, do you think that forced inclusion was overall beneficial for either side? Maybe. But if you're that if you're that kid, pretty sure it stunk for you, right? Now, again, maybe there was the occasional extraordinary student that's like, you know what, I can't get anything more out of this school or this district. I want to go over to this school. Okay, maybe. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's silly and it was foolish to exclude people that didn't look like you or didn't sound like you because they didn't look like you or didn't sound like you. But if it's truly a neighborhood school and everybody lives in the same neighborhood, it's kind of the way that breaks down. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, that's kind of the way that stuff happens. Not that it's good, bad, or otherwise. It's just the way the world works. But hey, we forced it. We changed it. But again, was that the outcome? Was that the best? So I don't pretend to have a very strong opinion one way or the other on this because I do have a couple of opinions. And one... I have a really tough time with the idea that everybody benefits because somebody is present that doesn't look like me or doesn't sound like me. I I don't see it. I'm not saying I'm automatically, adamantly opposed to it. I, I just need something more than that. I've often made the argument that when you have a room full of people that are in almost complete agreement on every decision before they make it, That's not the best outcome. That's not what we want. And if I truly believe that having people that look differently or sounded different than me had a different opinion on these matters, okay, that's fair. I I, kind of like the idea of a diverse opinion set. I just don't know that if everybody thinks progressivism is the solution, regardless of what they look like or what they sound like, I don't really think that is a beneficial outcome. As far as equity goes, you know, I get the idea. Some people were wronged. History's full of people that have been wronged. All of the world is full of people that have been wronged. But I'm not sure that you fix it, and I'm not sure that it's fixable, especially by punishing the last group of people that was seemed to benefit from the previous group of people being wronged. The whole idea that we learned in kindergarten, two wrongs don't make a right, seems to have been thrown out the door at this point because, well, this group of people were wronged by that group of people. And the way we're going to fix this is we're going to punish that group of people and then come up with a reward for that group of people or this group of people, even though we don't know what the negative effects were or were not. There just doesn't seem to be a good way to do that. I would suggest that maybe if we just stop the bad stuff and move forward, which is kind of what we've been doing for the last 30 to 50 years. We don't need to worry about that stuff anymore long-term. That can't fix what happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, nor should I be liable for what happened. But that's not the way the world looks at things today. That's not the way the progressives would have us believe. And if they want to build up anger and resentment and animosity, that's a really good way to do it. Just saying. And then finally, the forced inclusion. I know I no more want to belong to a group that wouldn't have me 
then I would want somebody forced into my group or family that I didn't recruit. And why this seems to be such a challenge for people to figure out, I don't understand it. And then they throw these things in at every corporate meeting, every corporate leadership, and every TV show, every advertising segment, thinking that if they'll just jam us long enough and hard enough that we'll all just pretend it's all okay. But I don't believe that. And I don't believe that anybody does. I suspect there is a better way. I suspect there is another option. And what might that be, you ask? Well, honestly, the Bible speaks to this, right? You've got to put away your bitterness and your anger. You've got to move forward as a new creation. And if you're not a Christian, I get it. Look, oh, maybe you're put off by this. But let's, let's put it in completely secular terms that everybody can understand. That which happened yesterday was a learning experience so that today I won't do that so that tomorrow will be better for everybody involved. Right? I mean, I don't think that's too hard. I don't think, I don't think it's too much to ask for. But that requires that our leadership understands that the outcome that they desire the progressive outcome isn't going to be beneficial. That requires that the leadership that does understand that is willing to take the risk and just say no. That that requires that whether it's in the secular and spiritual world, that people that are aware that this is selling a false bill of goods need to be willing to call it out for what it is and need to be willing to stand up and say, no, this is not what we want. They need to do that at the risk of sounding bad, at the risk of sounding like they're not on board. Because really, what are you on board for? I mean, what is the reality that if you walk into a room and you tell everybody, hey, I'm glad we got some black Latinos and maybe even some Asians here because, you know, us white people, we're only better when you're here. What are you telling the crowd when you say that? That's the result of this DEI nonsense, right? I mean, does that work in reverse? You got a you got an Asian group of people and you show up being a white guy or being a Latin guy and show up and say, hey, hey, I'm here to save you. You're better now because I don't look like you and I don't sound like you. Does anybody realize how ridiculous that sounds? Or does it only work when it's a bunch of white people together? I I fail to see the logic there. I think it's just a bad idea. And I'm purposely avoiding trying to throw anybody under the bus on this because this is not a unique experience. This is not something that just came from the sky. This has been around for quite a few years. And to continue to pretend it doesn't exist, to continue to turn a blind eye to it is doing nobody any favors. What I'm asking you is to remember that those that came up with this DEI nonsense are progressives and they don't want what's best. What they want is more division. What they want is more anger. What they want is more control for them. They don't care about liberty and they're selling equity on the concept that equality can be mandated and forced and not have to sacrifice your liberty and your freedoms. And I'm here to tell you, 
as Doug Wilson has quoted or quoted somebody else, however you want to phrase it, uh, they can't happen. It's not going to happen. Well, folks, that's all there is for today. I think I, I think I've kind of gone down that rabbit hole enough. I'm going to ask you if you found this entertaining, educational, informative, enjoyable, to stop, pause. Hit the subscribe button. Follow me on social media or on this uh, podcast app that you're on. Take the time out to like it and share it. And if you're feeling particularly froggy at this moment, why don't you go ahead and comment? Send me a comment or you can send me an email. It's pretty easy to get a hold of me according to callus at att.net. Or you can just rate the show. Every little bit helps. Every little bit of growth that we've gotten has been completely organic and we are making a difference and you can join me. I'm not asking you to agree with everything I say. Heck, some of the things I talk about, it's not even so much that I 100% agree with it. It's that it's a conversation worthy of being discussed. It's a topic that we shouldn't be afraid of. And with that, this was According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.